93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city, and I love it, yeah, I love it. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. Glad that you have tuned in. Very pleased to welcome uh, somebody who is now kind of a fixture around this place. Mike Murphy, how are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good, Fred. Thank you. Very good. I know that you're uh, doing some reporting uh, on the Eagle, but also host of the Sunday Morning Columbia Buzz Show. Correct. Tell us about the show. What uh, If people have not made their way to this part of the dial on Sunday mornings, what what can they They expect? should. We're, making, we're doing some good radio, I yeah. think. We have... Uh, we cover local politics, local events, uh, government in elections, anything going on that we think would be newsworthy. A lot of it comes from what I had, what was in ColumbiaBuzz.com the yeah. previous week. Yeah. So usually I grab a, a, a guest from or two or three from those stories and bring them on and discuss them, which tends to be the news of the week. Yeah. It's really, uh, you've had some great guests. Tell us about some of the guests you've had over the last few weeks. Well, last week we had a really great mm-hmm. interview with uh, Betsy Peters and uh, she announced that she was going to recuse on, uh, yeah, from on voting. the show. Yeah. yeah, well, it's yeah. because Como Buzz kind of brought out, you know, yeah. the fact that she had a bit of a conflict of interest there. So yeah. that was on Thursday. Then on Friday, she decided not to vote Monday night. And she told us about that Sunday morning. We had a pretty contentious interview, which is interesting for, you know, local radio. Because yeah, she's uh, kind of one of the normal city council yeah, people she's we a, have, right? Oh, she's a good one. I have, yeah. I have high regard for her. Yeah. But, but uh, I think she had a conflict of interest here that wasn't getting... Uh, uh, really made public. So I challenged her on it. And then she, she had, did announce that her, well, she, I don't even know if this day she really agrees that she has a conflict of interest. Right. Cause the but, city councilor has told her that she does not, correct? Well, that's what she said. Yeah. But, uh, all of a sudden the city councilor went mute hmm. and, uh, on Friday, all of a sudden, Betsy is announcing she's going to abstain. So I think they might have clarified some things behind okay. closed doors. Because at the end of the day, uh, I don't know what they say when the public isn't watching. Mm-hmm. But if you own an Airbnb, even if it's a small part of your empire, as it is in Betsy's case. Yeah. But if you, in fact, own an Airbnb, you have a conflict of interest when it comes to voting on regulations for Airbnbs. Mm-hmm. And Betsy wasn't seeing that clearly. I think the city councilor wants the media, which would be me, it was on top of it. Uh, it all became much more clear that uh, they didn't want to have to explain to the public because my direct question to Nancy was, uh, if this isn't a conflict of interest in the city of Columbia, if you own an Airbnb and you're going to vote on regulations for an Airbnb, if that's not a conflict of interest in the city of Columbia, exactly what is? Yeah. yeah. And she found herself kind of in a, in a deep conflict, but I think that she recognized she was in a conflict. But uh, she, of course, owned the property where uh, the Opportunity Campus, the, the yeah. large, uh, you yeah. know, 80, mm-hmm. 90, 100, 120 bed mm-hmm. uh, homeless shelter is going to be. Um, and so she was kind of smack dab. But, you know, she's a smart woman. She's very sick. Savvy. She was a physician, but she's also uh, invested in a lot of real estate mm-hmm. in this in this community. And so, uh, you know, there's there's so much, uh, you know, being made about Nick Kanoff's, um conflict of interest uh, as an employee of the Missouri State Real Estate Association. Uh, the fact that he's never voted on anything that would uh, have gotten him in trouble, uh, it just it just shows you that. 
uh, a conflict of interest may be, it's really in the eyes of the, be- the beholder, of course, but also uh, uh, a conflict of interest may be easier than you think if, if you have assets and you are invested yeah. in the community. Betsy's you know? is a perfect example. And uh, what, what our debate largely got into is, so in Betsy's mind, and you just got to go with this, and I do, because I, you know, I have regard for her. I don't think she's inherently like dishonest or right. anything like that. Really, nothing to gain. She didn't really see this as being a very big deal. But if you break it down and how other people might look at it, it is a big deal. And you have to avoid all appearances of a conflict of yeah. interest. And then what happened is, is uh, so while owning an Airbnb, back in 2021, she voted on a council resolution to uh, not... Uh, f- a stay of enforcement on Airbnbs. Mm. So that's a conflict of interest. And then this summer, she she does she says she doesn't remember this. She participated in a discussion. It was a critical discussion where the city council sent back to the planning commission the original Airbnb regulations and basically said, loosen them up and put in a conditional use permit opportunity so people can come to council and still operate their Airbnb. That was never a vote taken, but she was participating in it. And by the letter of law, that's all a conflict of interest. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. Well, so um, I, I want to jump into a few other things. And, and uh, you are the publisher of Como Buzz. And uh, tell people that uh, website where they can find uh, Como Buzz. www.comobuzz. It's one Z.com. Okay. But See, if you start out typing in Como Buzz by now, you're gonna, yeah. it's going to pop up for you. So. Very good. So uh, it's B-U-Z.com, not B-U-Z-Z. Correct. And so uh, great reporting. We're going to talk a lot about the things that he's been covering in, in in recent weeks here but so the final conclusion on short-term rentals which went before the city council this past monday night uh what what are what's the final word what are what are the restrictions that people should know about okay well there's a whole bunch of like little little well you have to you have to register with the city is that correct yeah you, and then you're gonna have to also pay the same percentage of hotel tax uh yep. lodging tax that a hotel would pay for a guest correct um and then um what what do you is there a limit on the yeah. number of uh so the most if once you get by all this stuff you got to buy a business license you're gonna have to register that means you're gonna get an inspection uh uh they limit the number of guests there's some limits on the number of days it's it's really just a bunch of regulation but most airbnb owners and the original airbnb owners were people who were going to rent out a piece of their home a yeah. empty bedroom yep. a room over the garage something in the basement fairly common in a college town correct and they're not hurt they're hurt they got to do all this little stuff it's not going to put them out of business but and, they had to get a business license yes and they had to subject their personal residence to an correct. inspection by the city and they're not happy about it well if you own rental property in this town there's a reason not to be happy about it correct okay mm-hmm. so so that is a that's a flare-up when they've had to get through that but most of them in the end while not liking it you know they, they accepted that this is going to be what it's going to be and most of them are already charging the uh, uh a fascinating question right now is airbnb is charging the tax now mm-hmm. we just don't know where it's going it's not coming back to the city and that's on my list to always go find out with airbnb which might be impossible but they're already charging the tax huh. so the city's just not getting it so the bottom line is this it, it's what so the planning commission's basic philosophy is to protect neighborhoods uh, uh, ensure the quality of life of people in these neighborhoods. So they did not, there's questions about Airbnbs operating in neighborhoods zoned residential. Mm-hmm. 
they did not clamp down on if you own your home and you're living in your home and you're running an Airbnb, you have very minor restrictions coming upon you. Who's getting all the restrictions are what they called investor operators. So if you go into an R1 neighborhood, buy a house and turn it into an Airbnb, they wanted to ban that. And they okay. essentially have made it very difficult. So mm-hmm. the original ordinance that came over from the Planning and Zoning Commission did, in fact, ban that. And the controversy is uh, they're all operating illegally now because there's no land use in the Unified Development Code to allow for this. And the city legal staff has determined that they cannot grandfather them. So whoever is currently doing this, some unknown number that we really don't know, they're going to be put out of business. Mm-hmm. So And there's no real fix and this is what's really been the underlying issue that's made this delay. And uh, besides, you know, the realtors and the Airbnb people opposed to this anyway, there's pain there. Uh, Who's going to enforce this, Mike? Well, I mean, the, I mean, the, the deal is, well, yeah, but the city, but I know. But I mean, it's, it's, it's just not possible. It'll get enforced like the city enforces the rental laws. Yeah. That's, yeah. But the bottom line is then. Uh, the the big chunk that went back to the original ordinance was they created a provision that if you could get a conditional use permit from city council, that means you show up in front of city council. you got to go through a bunch of rig and roll, go through the planning commission, but at the end of the day, regardless of all else, if you can get four votes from the city council, you can get a conditional use permit and you can operate your Airbnb. So it's, it becomes suddenly political. Correct. Okay. And that's the... And that's, if your neighbors show up right. to protest it, yeah. Uh, there's a, a good chance you're not going to get your CUP. It pits, it pits neighbors versus neighbors. Yeah. It, it's it's a, and it politicizes it so that the criticism becomes if you're a, a moneyed interest, if you have connections, you can get one. If you're not, you can't get one. Uh, they, they or just they, the well, opposite, correct? You know, I think sometimes correct. when yep. you have money in Colombia, uh, you automatically have a lot of people against you. So that did get passed in the uh, resolution, and now what we're going to see in the next few weeks and months is how many people show up seeking, how many people are actually affected. And they've written rules for conditions for giving, for for allowing for these conditional use permits. But at the end of the day, city council gets to do what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. And will that be in like a consent agenda typically? Or will no, they- no, that won't be. I, don't, I can't imagine <clears throat> so. I, <clears throat> I would think that they would have to take, like most, most zoning issues today, uh, do show up in a public hearing form in front of the council. Now, a lot of them go through really easily and really quickly, but the biggest reasons they have a lot of times these four and five hour city council meetings is to this day, and, and they need a fix for this. There isn't one that's, that's apparent. All of these land use issues, every zoning variance, everything that gets platted, every piece of land use in, in the city, basically goes through a public hearing in front of the city council. Wow. That's that's yeah. incredible. That's, yeah. It sounds uh, completely... It needs to be fixed. Yeah. That would be something uh, that could be be fixed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I want to shift real quick and talk about uh, Ward 2 city council races. You had great coverage of the uh, candidates forum that was held uh, 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 this week. And uh, with the two city council candidates in Ward 2, uh, Betsy Peters is unopposed in Ward 6, uh, Lisa Meyer and Bob Schreiber the third. Uh, give us your take on those two candidates. Lisa Meyer is a uh, business person, runs a real estate company with her husband Jim. They're active in uh, uh, Republican politics. I think Jim ran a couple years ago for the yep. award seat. Yep. Uh, she's a very capable. She did a great job. I think she's a capable business person. She did a good job, and uh, she's she's a she's going to be an upgrade to that council if she can get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Schreiber, I got nothing bad to say about him. He's a laborer. He's a member. He's a proud member of uh, local nine five five. 
Is that like a, is that like a dog whistle? I mean, what what is what, what is the benefit of being a member? Why, why is that an attribute of being a member of nine five five? Because they'll get him elected. Okay, all right. <laughs> so you know that if you think back, they, is that the what labor union is yeah, that? Lee, L- is it Lyuna? Yeah. Okay, so it's it's yeah, the service workers and mm-hmm, and um, mm-hmm. maintenance workers. Okay, and both at the hospital and at. Uh, or at MU in general, and also at the city. If you remember, they did in Randy Minshew. Layuna lays down, 955 lays down, Randy Minshew's the mayor today. Yeah. It, 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 you forget. So they... They, they uh, got uh, Barbara Buffalo elected in the fourth ward. Correct. they just spent a ton of money and a lot of uh, boots Minch- on the Min- ground in, in fourth ward. Minshew said the bad word, uh, privatization. Yeah. And activated them. So the Even thi- though we got roll carts. Yeah. 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 Interesting. But... uh well, they're they're all in favor of that because they're not losing a lot of jobs in that deal. They're just they're getting rid of bad jobs. They're getting rid of jobs off the back of the truck, but there's mm. still plenty of jobs. Okay. Uh, so if they get behind this guy, which I would assume they would, number one, boots on the ground, going door to door. Number two, money. Uh, there, there's no shortage of money that comes from from that direction. But so. if you go to your website and read the transcript yeah. of his answers from the <laughs> I know. from that form, I mean, I mean, he didn't say anything. He has no position. Correct. You know, everything was very. Uh, it's like it's like he has not researched any of the issues, and uh, he is uh, he's in charge of maintenance at Terra Apartments. Correct. That's his job uh-huh. for the university. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's his qualifications to, to serve on the city council. Well, I liken, I liken him to Don Waterman, who came aboard in very much the same way. That fifth ward race, race between uh, Don and uh, Greg Bush, neither one of them had any uh, experience whatsoever in uh, city. You know, in the old days, they came up through the commissions. They were an activist. Yeah. They had yeah. an issue. They were familiar. Uh, I don't know what's going on now, but uh in terms of hearing somebody who has a grasp on city issues if you read that interview yeah it's pretty disappointing along those lines yeah i mean i i thought it was interesting that lisa meyer uh to her credit had very specific things that she was concerned about public safety infrastructure uh health and well-being i don't know what that means yeah. but but uh i would say that public safety is probably the one thing all of us should be worried about in this community yeah, she was prepped and organized and ready to go. She's uh, going to be a formidable candidate. It's going to be a fun fun race to watch. Uh, I, I wouldn't even know how to predict it at this point, uh, although I am encouraged that she is in the race because I think that uh, that's an opportunity to improve the council. Yeah. Uh, someday in your reporting, find out how many people Liuna actually, how many members in Columbia, Missouri are actually members of Liuna? I will do that because I'm working on a really good, I have a really good story in the in the, in the the pipeline I hope it's only about two weeks out. Uh, it could be a month out, but I'm working on what appears to me to be a rise in labor activity, union activity uh-huh. in general. All of a sudden, it's like, whoa! First of all, Liuna, they're they're high profile. They're yeah. All of a sudden, but less than 200 employees in the city of Columbia by itself. But now they've organized the dispensaries. Isn't that wild? Oh. Isn't that wild? And that's yeah. where I'm going with this. That's what we need is a bunch of pot smoking uh, people coming <laughs> voting. Uh, that's good. Well, That'll well, help. Well, uh, but it's, doesn't that doesn't that seem odd? It did to me. When why are we organizing dispensaries? But there's a great story there, and it's all tied into this. I think this this renaissance of labor at the very low end of it, and we're watching it right here in Columbia. And I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, it will be. That's Mike Murphy. We are uh, talking about uh, the uh, politics and affairs of the city right now. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Nick Kanoff's uh, recall efforts, and uh, we'll get an update on that as well as the school board race and Boone Hospital trustees. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to 93.9 The Eagle.
the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend. We are visiting with Mike Murphy, who is the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. That's C-O-M-O-B-U-Z.com. If you're not already a subscriber, I would recommend that you subscribe because you're going to get the best journalist coverage, uh, journalism coverage uh, in the city, the deepest reporting and, and most in-depth reporting. And you get to hear him uh, every day here on the Eagle doing news and also every Sunday morning. Uh, that show starts at 8 a.m., is that yeah. correct? 8 yep. to 10? Yep. Okay, you and Al Jermon. So um, I want to talk about a little bit about the First Ward recall. Um, so uh, Nick, is it Knoth or Knoth? Yep. Knoth. Knoth, okay. Nick Knoth uh, is being recalled uh, primarily, not because of anything he's done, but he's being recalled because of something that he might do. Uh, he is employed as a lobbyist. Uh, he works in governmental relations for the Missouri Association of Realtors. And, um, I, and, you know, there's a lot of lobbyists in this community because of Jefferson City and, and, uh, state government. Um, but, uh, he is, uh, there is a recall, uh, measure on the ballot. Any updates or observations, any predictions from, from you on how that's going to turn out? Well, it's a, it's uh, I think it's, you have to look at it in the big picture of local politics. Um, and even Monday night, uh, Nick's opponent, well, let's look at it. I'm trying to think of the best way to frame it up. I think the way we should, where we would go with this at the end of the day, we're tired of arguing. I think whether there's a, there's a conflict of interest or not Monday night's meeting, he was in a box. He couldn't even vote because of the conflict of interest. So here's all these realtors lining up one right after the other. He works for them. And, uh, you know, he's pretty much neutered because if he says anything, he's going to be accused. There's a clearly apparent appearance of a conflict of interest mm-hmm. so there he's got to sit what you got going on there i think is uh in the the first ward is probably the most even though it's it's strange and it doesn't have a lot of influence it has more of our most strongest liberal democrats in the city live in the first ward mm-hmm. pat fowler was their uh representative mm-hmm. prior mm-hmm. to this nick portrayed himself or he kind of talked like you know he was a uh a Democrat, and then and then he kind of got to be this known quantity that all, most of his money came from business interests, from real estate interests. Mm-hmm. He worked for Lukenmeyer at one time. He uh, looked for the Columbia Chamber of Commerce yeah, for yeah, quite yeah. a while. So I think they feel like uh, I think it's a purely in, in in some respects this partisan issue where we have they see this Republican conservative kind of guy at heart uh, being their representative, and then this this becoming a, working for the Missouri Realtors now. Av- av- uh, advocating for them became the flashpoint so i think they just want them out and this uh this this conflict of interest you could argue is a bit of a trojan horse although i won't argue that because i believe there is a conflict of interest there but even if you didn't want to argue that or just to see the bigger picture here that's what he's got going against him i don't think that's any fault of his really i think it's just a confluence of politics in columbia's first ward and uh, i think he's in trouble i think there's 380 people who signed that thing that's a lot in the first ward. people have won elections with 380 votes in the first ward yeah but we there have been times i mean you don't see that many votes ever cast in the first ward and and I mean, it's one of those things where you got to wonder how many people, if you went back to everybody on that petition, and and I did read through the entire petition, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to wonder how many of those people even know who their first word city council person is, how many of them really understood why they were truly signing uh, that particular, um, you know, uh, petition. I I, I don't know. But But here's the thing. Here's what's going to happen, though. So. 
I, I totally agree. But there's people motivated enough to go out and make that happen. When it comes to April 2nd, who's going to show up for the simple purpose of voting for Nick Knoth? And who's going to show up for the simple purpose of voting against him? Who's going to be more motivated? That's where I think he's got his problem. He's probably got a lot of people who have no real problem with what he's doing. But they have no reason to show up to vote on April 2nd yep. unless it's to specifically go out there to support him. And I think the people that uh, want to see him out of there are going to get some people to the polls. Yeah. And so your prediction is that he will probably lose his seat. That would uh, be my prediction. Okay. And then what happens uh, next? That is, is unclear. Special election? No, nah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they wait till the next election. For some reason... And so First Ward will not have a representative? I think that's true. Now, I, I don't want to say that as a fact because that doesn't make sense to me, but that's what... Uh, Nancy has been saying, Nancy Thompson, the city attorney, has been saying, and I want to fully flesh that out to make sure I understand it, and I have not been able to get with her and do that. This whole thing with the recall, because they haven't done it before, so it goes all the way back, it's, it's been some time before they've done it. Nobody in current office has done it. The rules are not real clear, and I don't want to say they're making it up as it goes, because they are bound by the city cha charter, but it's not really all clear cut so that I could just tell you something like that or that's known hmm. and I haven't seen that really it, it specifically has of course spelled out. happened before with Chester Edwards yeah. Uh, yeah. when Carl Cruz uh, where the colonies was being built um, uh, out on Forum Boulevard, mm -hmm. uh, which turned out to be one of the most attractive uh, commercial developments in all of Columbia. It's but funny how the reflection of yeah, time. Is on be careful that, what you it? wish for, yeah. you know, and uh, uh, and then drive down Stadium or the Business Loop and, and see what we have there. But you know, it, it's really um, so. I know there's a precedent here in Columbia. So whether or not uh, city ordinances have changed or state laws, have I don't changed, think so. You know? I don't think so. I think it has to do with. Uh, and really what I should do is go back and find out who replaced him or yeah. what they did then. Well, it was a guy named Carl Cruz who who was actually leading the rebellion back then. Did so, he get voted in then or appointed? Uh, I, I think he did get voted hmm. in. So anyway, uh, so it seems we need to like find that they, out they, pretty quick they, here. They called a special election, but it's 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 almost unmanageable that they would leave the first ward unrepresented. I think you that's know. what I heard what okay. they do. All right. Well, interesting. Okay. Um in the school board, uh, we have uh, James Gordon, John Potter, Alvin Cobbins, Jeannie Snodgrass. I don't know much about any of them. Uh, of course, Snodgrass and Gordon have run before. Uh, had John Potter been yeah. a previous candidate? He ran last year. Too. Okay. All right. And then, so give us your, okay. your take on that race. Okay. So Gordon pulled out. So he's out. So it's down to three. Oh, Gordon's out? Yeah. Oh, I had no... He withdrew. Okay. A, while, a couple weeks ago, a while okay. back. All right. So he's did not, you report that? Uh, yes. He did. Okay. I missed it. I'm sorry. Not, and he's not on the ballot. Okay. Uh, I had the, They were at the forum, too. I just posted today on Comobuzz.com a long story similar to the one on the city council on the uh, school board yeah. comments. So uh, uh, Gene Snodgrass runs the uh, Jewish Center Hillel. on campus. The Hillel yes. Foundation. Okay. And she's an accomplished candidate. She's very well spoken. She did a great job at the forum the other night. And she's an incumbent. Yes. Okay. And she had the uh, NEA endorsement. And you bring that right up, up right away yeah. because this was going to boil right down to. Yeah. I'm sure she, I shouldn't say I'm sure. I would be shocked if she didn't retain it. So I, I would say she's an odds-on favor to get uh, reelected. Okay. That brings you down to the other two, John Potter. He's the he's the uh, conservative. He's also going to run for state rep. In, yep. uh, uh He uh, he's in. I think it's forty-four. Cherise, uh no, in uh, he's running against um, uh, Adrian Plank. Correct. That's over in forty-five on the west side. 
Uh, or, I don't, it's not 45. 45 and 46. I can't keep them straight. Yeah, yeah. But that's on the west side. includes the fourth ward. That's yeah. right. Against Adrian Plank. Okay. So, but uh, he ran last year conservative. He runs a, a, a website, accountability. He came into prominence during the lockdowns and, and when the, when the, when they were uh, being sent home, um, he's uh, been opposed to their DEI efforts uh, or he's called out a lot of the, He's been responsible for a lot of information getting out of that school district that otherwise never would have seen the light of day. Yeah. He has a lot of followers. Uh, uh, he'll Are never they voters? Get, I don't know. Yeah. He, and he, he'll have a hard time raising money, too. And uh, I think that uh, he'll never get this uh, endorsement of the uh, NEA, the teachers union. Right. And then Alvin Cobbins is an elderly gentleman. Uh, I'm going to say he graduated from high school in the 60s. That's why I know that. He's talked about that. Okay. Uh, a black man. He's been involved in some uh, community activism, some community volunteering, but he has absolutely no uh, uh, prior history with the school district. So he, his uh, interview, when you read it, his, his forum um, conversation is, sounds very much like Robert Schreiber's. He just doesn't, he's not informed of any issue. You know, they ask him about school choice and uh, he's all for it. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but not really. <laughs> right, right, right. A couple, couple weeks from now, he ain't going to be. <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> I know. So, you know, it's, and it's kind of like, you want to say, bless his heart. He's yeah. got great intentions. He yeah. sounds like a very honorable man, very, uh, 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 sincere. He wants to contribute. I think sometimes people don't know he, somebody Potter said something about politics and, um, you know, Mr. Cobbins said something about, you know, we shouldn't even have any politics involved in this. And I think sometimes people step into something thinking they're getting into one thing and they're really getting into yeah. another thing. Oh, yeah. But he's just got to beat John Potter. So mm-hmm. now why did the lady that was not a, that got appointed? Why is she not running? Uh because it seemed like she had promised to run. I don't know if she promised. It's purely personal decision. What okay. I understand, it's had to do with her personal life. Do you jo- recall jo- her name? Yeah, Karen Hayes. Karen Hayes. Yeah. Okay. She replaced Sasser, Catherine okay. Sasser. Right. Uh, and uh, so, are, are we still talking about transgender issues on the school board? I mean, is that part of this race? No, but I think race might be part of this race. So if, it's really interesting, and I'm going to write about it here soon, so we can talk about it with people. But uh, when. Um, Chris Horn got unelected for the first time in 50 years last year for a few month period. There was not a black person serving on the Columbia mm-hmm. school board. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even really, I mean, at this point, I don't really know. You kind of forget about it. I don't think it's a big deal, but it turned out it was a big deal. Yeah. And uh, then when Karen Hayes got appointed, she's a black woman that kind of rectified that situation. So it only lasted for three or four months. Mm. Now, assuming that, uh, Gene Snodgrass gets reelected. Uh, the two men that are left, what's kind of bizarre about this is, I don't know if you know this or not, but so Alvin Cobbins is a black man, clearly. Right, he's, right. he's an Afro, Afro-American man. So is uh, uh, John Potter. John Potter's mother is black. Really? Yeah, but John doesn't look black. No. So this is widely not known. And I want to talk with John a little bit about it here as soon as I can to his feelings about this. He's never brought it up. It's never been part of the conversation, but it's going to be part of the conversation now, not by my choosing, but because of this sort of, there's a, there's people out there who think we should have a, a you know, there should be a black person on, yeah. the, on, on the school board. So if you're, if your father is white and your mother is black, are you still an African American? I, I, I don't know. That's the part. I have to have an hmm. African American explain that to me because I'm not, I did a little bit of Googling about how that's looked at nowadays, and I I, I, hmm. I, I want John to explain it. So yeah. I'm going to get get him uh, on board with that. But it's an interesting topic that's going to be unavoidable, really, in, in this in this election. And hmm. we'll, we'll see where that okay. goes. Okay, goodness. I want to talk about Boone Hospital. Uh, there are uh, 
to uh, the Boone Hospital trustee issue will not be on the ballot because there are no opposed races. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so uh, with the departure of Greg Steinhoff, the county commission appointed Judy Starr to his position. She's running for re-election unopposed. Uh, Gary Thompson is replacing Dr. Bob McDavid, who is re- retiring from the board, and he is running unopposed, so the, the ballot issue will not, um, uh, but, you know, it's hard to complain about Gary Thompson or Judy Starr. They're both outstanding candidates, and, and they're going to fill it. They're, both of them had served on the hospital's board, appointed board, uh, and then, uh, this past week, they appointed Mary Beck, who was the chief nursing officer at both Boone Hospital for many, many, many years, over 20 years, and uh, the chief nursing officer over at uh, MU Healthcare. Um, so again, a, a pretty decent appointment, someone that's going to really have an understanding of what the hospital is facing. W- what is your take on the trustees race? Well, it's pretty slick. Everything you say is, how do you have a, you elect people to the board without having an election, without even having them on the ballot. Yeah. So the saving grace is, these are very high quality people that we should be happy are volunteering their time to help us run yeah. a local institution. Yeah. We we could use them all over the place and we'd have a heck of a lot less problems going on all over the place if we had people like this stepping up and helping us out. That being said, how bizarre this, uh, this, uh, adding, you know, the, the, the hospital board of trustees is a governmental body set in the state statutes. It'd be like the county commission saying, well, we don't want to be three anymore. We want to be five. Yeah. And somehow pulling that off or seven and building this bench then from which they sort of promote. They're only getting away with it because the voters are letting them. Yeah. Right? If, yeah. if somebody wanted to step up, yeah. they, they could stop this. I mean, so far it's been pretty good choices. Well, if I have mixed feelings on one hand, the process doesn't feel right to me, but yeah. on the other hand, the result, if I was Dr. Jerry Kennett, I would be quite pleased with myself because he's building himself a very nice board to help him run that place. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I can muster no enthusiasm for being unhappy with it. Yeah. Uh, there's some about it that doesn't yeah. feel just right. But uh, A couple of weeks ago on your program, you had uh, Brady Dubois, yeah. who is the new CEO of Boone mm-hmm. Hospital Center. What was that interview like? And, and, you know, you have been a little bit of a thorn in the side of the Boone Hospital trustees. A little? Uh, okay, a, a very a very large plank in their eye. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, how things are evolving, but you, you, you seem to got a little taste of transparency from yeah. this new CEO, which yeah. I think surprised me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, I've had a long connection to the Boone Hospital Board of Trustees, but, but we'll talk about that when we come back. And then we also want to talk about uh, uh, what is going on with the city uh, police and fire pension and uh, just see if you have any insight into how the roll cart rollout has gone so far. All of that and more coming up with Mike Murphy. I'm Fred Perry. You're listening to the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. Whispering in the trees, it's two cities and they're only pipes and chains and swinging. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the third and final segment of the CEO Roundtable. We're going to get into roll cards, so stay tuned because it's kind of humorous, to be honest with you. Um, I think um, uh, one thing I want to touch on, uh, you kind of have... uh, you know, you've, you had the, the Boone Hospital CEO on. What, what, what's your current read on there? What, what's your best layman's explanation for where Boone Hospital is financially right now? I would say that they, they've weathered a tremendous storm, not only from their separation from BJC, the uh, national health care industry 
turbulence. Mm-hmm. A and, horrible and the, electronic medical records. Uh, oh, well, that was sort, somewhat self-inflicted. They had yep. to do it. Yep. And then the pandemic. So, uh, you know, they've, they've been through, they've been to hell and back. Yeah. And it's, it feels like they're coming out of it. And it feels like they're coming out of it maybe strong. Well, I, I think one of the things that, that they don't mention is that a former administration at the hospital made a deal with the devil. They hired a company to, uh, be in charge of receivables for healthcare, and uh, this company has—I uh, think they're based out of Indiana. They have screwed up every step mm-hmm. of the way, and there were some people that didn't get billed at Boone Hospital for services for, for, uh, yeah, six, for over six months. Know. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and so. Uh, when you're having cash flow issues, that is, oh, that is not. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But they're stuck in a contract with this company because of something a former administrator did, mm. uh, who is, has since left the hospital. But you know, it's really, um, it's just everything that could go wrong. It was a perfect storm for Boone Hospital. You well, know? I'm, I'm feeling good because, you know, I've met with most of the trustees and I've been arguing with them for more than a year now about for some transparency. They wouldn't release their, financial information i don't want much else i think they should be operating more publicly they're the county's hospital but they're choosing not to mm-hmm. so i went and got their results as you know elsewhere and reported here about last summer i guess that they'd lost 150 million dollars over the last three years and they continued to stonewall and then they said they're turning it around and you know we've had a lot of public proclamations about how they're turning it around and then i wrote again here just a couple months ago that they're about to lose another 30 million this year mm-hmm. which is true uh, but it's an improvement. It's a, it's a very good yeah. improvement, and yeah. even bet more so as the year winds down in the fourth quarter. They've actually had a couple months where they're where they're cash flowing, where they're in the black, mm-hmm. which hasn't uh, they haven't cash flowed over a year since like 2017. Yeah. And you went around them and you found uh, the their financial information yeah. from a public source. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so the good news kind of is is they're. They were just being stubborn in the past, but they didn't have a CEO there. Now they have a CEO there who comes from a, I mean, he's, he knows what he's doing. He's sophisticated. He's been in some big operations and he's just fixing this by saying quarterly, let's just release our financial information and put this problem it's to rest. A, a pretty big, bold move com- compared to what you've had in the past. Well, it's, it's true. You know, and I, and I so, think it's a positive. I, yeah. I think they should be engaging with the, the public that owns them, you yeah. know, and give the re- some respect back to the people who uh, actually own that those assets. I, I will tell you a full disclosure, you know, and I served um, uh, for 14 years on the Board of Trustees and, and the last few years I was the chairman of the Board of Trustees. And I, and I think that something that I if I had I been in that position, I would have been reluctant to share a lot of the financial information with the local media because the truth of the matter yeah. is most of the local media they they couldn't read a balance sheet if their lives depended mm-hmm. on it and they're going to uh they're going to twist the mm-hmm. story and so I can kind of understand the reluctance mm-hmm. you know Me what too. I mean but but I know they stonewalled you for a long time and and they shouldn't have uh but uh it sounds no, like we're moving in the right direction yeah, no I totally get it you're exactly right they're afraid I mean this is a pat on my back, but this is the reason I met with individual trustees to explain to them that I'm capable of yeah. handling this yeah. story. Yeah. And then they ultimately they've seen that. But yeah. sure, you can't toss this to the Missourian or heaven no. forbid the Tribune or yeah. you're going to have a headline tomorrow yeah. with no context and it could hurt your business. Oh, absolutely. So I, yeah, I totally yeah. understand. So, I, I'm glad we're where we're at. Okay. County Commission is has put a uh, property tax freeze on the ballot uh, in April uh, for Boone County voters. Uh, this sort of runs uh, contrary Contrary uh, to what Cherie Tolson Rice has been working on for six months, uh, can you explain what will be the difference between what the county commission sure. is proposing and and what is their real yeah. objective here? Well, okay, so Cherie's uh, petition would put 
Senate Bill 190, as it's written from the state legislature, signed into law by the governor, uh, into law here in Boone County, which is, uh, commissioners would tell you, and I think there's some truth to it, would be very difficult to implement. But what it would do is it would freeze property tax increases to qualified senior citizens, which is basically anybody 62 or over the way this thing is being uh, interpreted. And of the 25, 26, 27 taxing entities that Boone County collects property taxes for and, and supports with those property tax revenues, they would be, they would have to administer a property tax freeze to the people who applied for it, and then those dollars would proportionally not be given out to the, all those taxes. They wouldn't be losing money. No, nope. just would not Correct. be gaining money as quickly as they gained it in the past. Correct. So, in a, and of course, county commissioners don't want to do this, and the school doesn't want to see it happen, and any of the taxing districts don't want to see it happen, but every senior citizen who owns a house wants to see it happen. Yeah. So county commissioners realize this is going to pass. They're going to, it's going to get voted in. Two of the county commissioners happen to be up for election, right? Both of them. Yeah. And so they would have to run all summer on the idea that they won't, uh, their voters, who are the same senior citizens, that they won't grant them this minor little bit of tax relief, which really is going to hurt them hardly at all, yeah. uh, while they're running for election. Yeah. So, and what I think is a bit of a brilliant move, you can say what you want about uh, Kip Kendrick and Kyle Riemann, who are, you know, kind of strategizing down there, uh, but you can't say they're not smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is in this is purely a maneuver. They are putting it on the ballot in April ahead of this, and all they're putting out there is, "Do you want a uh, a uh, tax freeze?" And we'll make the rules. We'll set. We'll write it all out after you tell us you want to do that. So if they get that yes vote, which they probably will, then they can set about deciding how this thing is going to be administered. And even who gets it, they can just limit it. They, yeah. So and then if Cherie comes back with her initiative petition and gets it on the ballot for August. Uh, could her would her language supersede what the county commission billion done? dollar question and it's probably a legal question because it's not it's not to settle there's nothing that settles that so i think county commissioners are planning on the idea of getting this passed doing something that is acceptable to enough citizens to defang what they see as the mess coming in august or november hmm. and uh uh, uh kind of what is Cherie saying of, i mean i Cherie's just kind of po'd because yeah. Uh, it, it throws confusion to the air. She doesn't have a lot of trust for commissioner's intentions. Yeah. She's quite sure it will weaken the tax, the ultimate tax relief that would be given out to. Yeah. So, and you know, but she's got to go get 4,000, like 4,600 uh, petition signatures and, yet. And I think she's halfway there, correct? Which yeah. is, which means she's got a long way to go. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. I suspect that'll pass in April. And I think the thing in, uh, uh, then the fall will probably go away. I don't want to say that because I want Sheree to get her signatures, but I think commissioners have sort of gotten an upper hand here, and we'll yeah. see what they do with it. When is the uh, deadline to file for if you want to serve on the county commission, which now pays over $100,000 a year yeah. uh, with great health benefits and a pension? Is, is there um, uh, When's the filing deadline for those, so those two I, positions? I think I, I'm not positive, but I believe filing starts at in like February 26th or the end of February okay. and I believe it ends at the end of March. Okay. So wow. yeah, it's, it's, a long it's time. coming. Yeah. Okay. So All we right. have one candidate in the mix so far. Sam Turner from Ashland's running against Justin Alder. Well, I shouldn't say that. Sam's a uh, a Republican, so if there could be a primary if anybody else steps in, but he's running for Justin's seat. Okay. That's the Very seat good. he used to have. Yes, that's correct. Southern okay. District. Southern District. District 1 they call it now. Yeah. Um give us just a, a 5 second uh uh a uh, recap of what's happening with the Columbia Police and Fire Pension right now. It's severely underfunded, correct? Yeah, they had it fixed. They had a plan to fix it in 2010. They recognized the problem, then they just didn't fix it. They kicked the can down the road. They're making minimal. Picture you got a credit card, 
and uh, the interest is piling up and all you're making is minimum payments and every once in a while you, you make less than a minimum payment or they make an adjustment, the interest goes up, you don't even make that. And uh, next thing you know, they went from $80 million dollars uh, uh, a pension deficit in 2010 that they were going to fix, and today it's 150. Do you know what happened? Because Bob McDavid, that was one of the very yeah. first things he did as mayor, mm-hmm. was he got in there and he fixed it. Yeah, he actually, had a plan. Mm-hmm. What what did not come together? I after actually he talked did to him about okay. about just here. They just didn't follow through. So what happens is is you have to you have to fund it based on different different parameters every year. They're complicated, but they have to do with rate of return on your investments. Yep. Draws on it, new new employees in, of which there's a zillion less new employees in, by the way. Mm-hmm. Employees out, there's more and more employees out. So you have factors to adjust your payments every year. Uh, so number one, you got to make them. You can also make a minimum payment that's required by the laws and the statutes. That's all Columbia does. Then twice they made two huge mistakes in uh in like in 15, they threw $5 million on top of it to try to catch back up, but they made two key, key mistakes. They re, they re-amateurized it twice. So they had it paid down to like 23 years. They mm-hmm. re-amateurized it up to 30 years. You can see if you did that with your house, what the, what the yeah, impact yeah, would be. The interest rates, so they yeah. just totally kick it down the road mm. and now it's just compounded up. Yeah. Uh, whose head should be on the block for this? The finance director for the city of Columbia? No, the city manager. Okay. He would he would put it on the finance manager. But what I'm getting into now, I'm only starting on this story, but there is a pension board for both fire yep. and, and they share members. They're largely there to study uh, investments and to ride herd over investment decisions. They, they lesser ride herd over this minimum payment problem, which really does go to the city manager and the finance director. I think that's where the issue lies, but I'm working on that a little bit. I think, I'm wondering why these pension uh, commission members aren't being more vocal. And uh, I've, yeah. I've, I've, yeah. You know, crying, uh, you know, yeah. uh, foul or something. Yeah. But okay, we're almost out of time, but I, how do you think the roll cart rollout is doing? I mean, it, it's, it's hilarious to see. Um, it, one, it just shows you that 95% of Columbia is not paying attention. Yeah. Okay? It's, it really, um, it's, and so I saw a lot of roll carts out this past Monday uh, and Tuesday. Uh, they don't start roll cart pickups until March 5th, correct? Correct. Fourth. Yep. The March 4th. Okay. So uh, how would you say the rollout has gone? Well, it's, 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 it's a debacle and we knew it would be a debacle, <laughs> but not in this fashion. I, 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 my opinion was that I kind of joked the city can't execute very many things very well usually you know it just doesn't work out so i figured they'd find a way to screw it up i don't know if this is on them though uh so this you haven't been in the news business my whole life this is just so disheartening but they really did tell everybody they could over and over social media that this thing was going to start march 4th they mailed everybody postcards i know now i wish they would have put something on the carts themselves but what we have right now is you can drive all around town and everybody's got a cart is got it full of garbage bags and sitting at the curb waiting yeah. to get picked up yeah. at their garbage pickup yeah. date. Yep. It's, uh, I got two roll carts delivered to my house. Uh, one was put into the middle of my driveway. One was put, uh, which I, I you know, I had to stop, uh, on West Broadway and move it before I could pull into my driveway. One was on my front steps. Uh, so, so I got two, uh, for some reason, but, one of the things they kept saying over and over and over is that we want you to leave this roll cart where we place it. But what I see all over town, especially in the central part of the city, is that the roll carts are out in the bicycle lanes. OK, yeah, they didn't put them. They didn't put them where they put them right down the streets. Yeah, they're right on the street. Yeah. But they've, the city specifically said, 
put it out there where we left it for you. Hmm. Okay, they've said that over and over and over. So uh, where's the Bicycle and Pedestrian Commission? I'm, I cannot believe they're not having a heart attack about these road carts being in the bike lanes, uh, which is just the way Columbia is wired, you know. But mm-hmm. but yeah, you're right. I think there's going to be, it's going to take us a lot, like roundabouts, it's going to take Columbians <laughs> a long time to get used to what we're supposed to be doing with these road carts. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. Mike Murphy, I appreciate your time. Yeah, it's my always pleasure. great to uh, hear from you. And uh, thank you once again for the amazing sure. coverage you provide in Como Buzz. Uh, .com, C-O-M-O-B-U-Z.com. Subscribe today. We'll be back next weekend with another edition of the CEO Roundtables. For now, this is Fred Perry signing off on 93.9 The Eats. This city is my city and I love it. Yeah, I love it.